Welcome to the 2024 season for Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name. And I'm your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts and videos, Teddy Garland. And this podcast is one that is listed in the guidebook for you to listen to if you want to hear some more fun stories about the roads you'll be driving on getting to the one-day adventure you chose from the guidebook. And the guidebook has been called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park, a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone, and even the Bible for Yellowstone Park. So, if you guys are thinking about getting a guidebook for your Yellowstone vacation, and you want some more info before you buy one, simply listen to my Introduction to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local podcast, or watch the YouTube video of the same name, and there you will find my family's over 100-year history as well as my knowledge of the park. And you'll also find out how easy the guidebook is to use. You only need to read the chapter interest you. And those chapters then give you step-by-step instructions so you can self-guide your family. through. And the park is just huge, you guys. And the guidebook breaks the enormous size of Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites that you can easily and enjoyably do in a single And in the Planning Your Yellowstone Vacation chapter, the guidebook helps you save time by beating the crowds to all the top sites and how to save thousands of dollars on your Yellowstone vacation by following the money-saving tips on flights, lodging, and dining. And I highly recommend anybody listening to this podcast join our Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group where you'll see hundreds of sparkling reviews for the guidebook as well as thousands thousands of pictures that you guys have posted of you guys having a great time in Yellowstone Park with the help of the guidebook. To get your copy, simply go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com, where you can get an electronic copy for only 12 bucks or a paperback copy for 25 bucks. And I write a personal note to everyone who buys one and throw in a cool Yellowstone sticker as well. And the guidebook is 20% longer than it was last year, so there's a lot more fun things in there for you guys to peruse for your Yellowstone vacation. And you'll find some combo deals on there that are very popular and save you. And we even have a store on there with some truckers hats and some cool t-shirts and all that stuff. But be aware, we only print off a thousand paperback copies every year to do our part to help save the environment. You guys are visiting a national park, albeit so. And uh, But we sold out of those thousand copies of guidebooks last year in 2023, about August 10th. And with our rising popularity, we will sell out before that in 2024. So get your guidebook ordered quick. So let's get started with this podcast, Norris to Canyon, and there's not a lot to see along this section of road. And remember, these podcasts just give me a venue to tell you guys some funny stories that happen to me along the roads on these areas, and uh, there's a really funny one on this one, and so we'll get down here to the end of this one and hear a good story. But uh, remember, the the guidebook's the cake, these podcasts just a little icing on the cake, and a a good place to tell me you guys some fun. All right, so let's get started. We're going from Norris Junction, and we're driving the short drive over to the canyon area. There's not a lot to see between Norris and canyon. 
show you everything there is to see and tell you some cool stories. But the, but the main area we're getting to is the canyon area. And the canyon area is top-notch. Besides all the old fateful area, the canyon area is the next best spot in the park. No if you guys listen to my podcast, Madison Junction and Norris, Norris is not worth a visit. It's not worth your if you've been to Yellowstone Park 10 times and seen everything go off, you watch Grand Geyser go off 20 times and Old Faithful 50 and everything else, you know, anything, just go over to Norse and walk around. You're going to walk out of Norse and go, man, that was a dud. It's kind of a waste of time. There is nothing to see at Norse. And there is everything at Norse is a one or a two on a scale of 10. What you're going to see over the canyon area today is a nine or a 10 or a 12. Yeah, it's there is absolutely nothing to see at Norse. Do not waste your vacation time. It's a dud. Don't do it. So we're going to cover from Norris Junction over to the canyon area and the gorge. You're sitting there at the Norris Junction, and you're going to go straight across due east on the middle of the figure eight. Remember, the, there's two loops in Yellowstone Park when you look at the park map, and there's park maps in the guidebook for your for your use, and just so you can kind of see where we're at in the park and everything as we talk along through these podcasts and in the guidebook figure eight with feeder loops coming off of it. So the top figure eight and the bottom figure eight, we're cutting right across the middle figure eight and connecting the two loops. On this short drive, it's only 12 miles or so through here, and there's really not a lot to see through here. However, about a mile or two down the road, look for the Virginia Cascades turnoff on your right. This is well worth taking. This Virginia Cascades drive is gorgeous. It's a one-way road that dumps you back down on the road about two miles down the road, so it adds another five minutes to your day. And it's a really tight, narrow road. And the Virginia Cascades are worth a picture, but don't stop until you get about two-thirds of the way through this little drive. And finally have a spot where you can pull over there and let cars pass by. And then somebody needs to get out and go take a picture of the Cascades. It's a beautiful, deep, steep canyon and, and well worth the drive to get to, to see these beautiful cascades coming down through here. I mean, they go down about, God, 200 yards. It's gorgeous. It's really Boy, if anybody's got a fear of heights, stick them on that right side of the car, and you can kind of get those wheels over there on the edge, and they're going to freak out, I promise you. So. And right at the top of the Cascades, there's a little pull-off on the right, and you can get right there by the river, and the river's only, God, six feet wide. It's real tiny. It looks like it's huge when it goes over those Cascades, but it's tiny. And this is the Gibbon River that you saw on downstream at Gibbon Falls that goes over the huge falls down there and everything else. It just happens to be six feet wide. The, head, the headwaters are at Greb Lake about five more miles down the road. We'll kind of get to that here in a second. But this is just a nice picnic spot. If you guys were looking for a nice picnic spot, this is one of them. I, I highly recommend you use a spot like this versus a actual picnic area where you're going to be 50 or kids running around crazy. Once you get back out on the main park road, make note that there are some really good short little hikes through here that are totally suitable for the smallest hiker in your group, and I cover all those in depth in the guidebook for you guys. So if you guys want to got a little hiker that wants to go do some really nice hikes through here, this is a beautiful spot to There's even some really close campsites that you guys can use that are right there, but to all that's listed in the guidebook. All right, so continue on down the road, and there's just not a lot to see along this section of road. And if you're getting there late April, early, this section of road can have snowdrifts on it up to 10 feet tall. 
And so if you're planning on an early trip to Yellowstone Park, and in the guidebook I tell you when you should come and when you shouldn't and all that, this area is, you're now gaining elevation like it's going out of style, and the snow banks justify that elevation gain. So you better be prepared. If you're planning on coming to Yellowstone Park at the end of April, that went right when the park opens, first couple weeks in May, you better have your snuggles on, buddy, because it's going to be cold and snowy, and, and you're going to be walking through snow drifts. Plus, a lot of the stuff's going to be closed. A lot of the trails are going to be closed. Going to be... Just remember, in the guidebook, in the planning your Yellowstone vacation chapter, I cover all the dates when you should arrive for Yellowstone Park. All right, so we're going to continue down this road heading east and about a mile or so from Canyon Junction, the road will make a pretty quick drop and then you'll open up into the Canyon Meadows. And in these Canyon Meadows, there are always elk hanging out, moose hanging out, and you can obviously see an occasional bear hanging out in here as well. There's a This is a good hangout for... The big three animals in Yellowstone Park to see them right through here. And remember, if you're the first one to get to that area, you might be the first one to see it. So, And while we're on that note of being the first one to see something, I've got your uh, first story of this podcast right here. And uh, you guys got to remember, everything you need to go visit sites in the park. Today's the canyon area. Everything you need to go visit the canyon area, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, all listed in the guidebook. These podcasts barely gloss over the things that are in the guidebook, but what is in these podcasts are fun stories about visiting certain areas. Like today, I'm going to tell you some stories about the canyon area, and uh, this is a really funny one, and uh, these things are just too lengthy to put in the guidebook. So here's your first funny story of the day. So I'm pulling up to the canyon area, just like I told you guys you were a second ago. Haven't seen a car for miles, and there's nobody in the park. The park's going to shut down in a few weeks, and everything at Canyon shut down. And so I'm kind of coming into the the junction right there, the stop signs right there in front of me, and, I, and uh, right where you guys are right now. And I look out in front of me, and there's a gas station off to your left. You guys will see over there this little gas station. It's shut down. It's been shut down for a week or two. And right across me, right out of the gas station exit, right there, about. 50 feet right in front of me walks this monster grizzly bear. I mean, as big as a Volkswagen. This thing is huge. His front feet are inside, turned inside a little bit, you know, like those big bears are, and pads are as big as a basketball. He's just lumbering out in front of me right there, and I see him walk out. I go, man, that's cool. And I got my phone out. I'm taking some pictures of him right there in front of the car and everything else. And lo and behold, right behind that bear, about 15, 20 feet behind that bear are these two boys walking right behind it like they're just following it around. And I go, oh my God. God, I just couldn't believe it. So they're just following this bear around and, and let me right behind the damn thing. And so the bear kind of clears up. I'm kind of go forward a little bit and they see me and everything else. The bear's off to the right, kind of gets to the edge of the road. And I drive up and get in front of them. I roll the window down on my Land Cruiser and I go, man, what are you two idiots doing? And this guy goes, he kind of looks and they're from Italy and one of them didn't speak a lick of English and the other one spoke some bro 
broken English, and I spoke a little bit of Italian. But anyway, I roped those guys up, get them in my Land Cruiser. We're driving around. So we drive through the parking lot. There's nobody there. It's completely shut. And so we swing out in front of that bear two or three times and get some great pictures in front of that bear. And then he goes off on the side of one of the buildings out into the trees and everything else, and he's gone. So I'm giving those guys a ride back up to their car past that gas station up towards Dunraven Pass a little bit. It's kind of an interesting story. When I dropped them off their car, there had been a few snowstorms here. There had been nothing big, and it all had melted off during the day. And uh, I saw where that Dunraven Pass was closed up there. And I was going, well, that's kind of weird, and dropped those kids off and, you know, talked to them about Italy, and they were from... Positano over there, which is south of Naples, and uh, I'd actually stayed there a couple times in Positano. Positano is the great launching point for the Amalfi Coast over there, and Amalfi Coast is just off the charts, but we were shooting the bull about that barely. They didn't speak much English, and I didn't speak much Italian, and so anyway, I dropped them off, but as I looked up, then I saw Dunray from Pasco, so when I left the west entry gate, I stopped at the uh, the gate right there, and I went in, and I went, and I went in there and talked to one of these old ranger buddies of mine. I said, why is Dunraven Pass closed? And he goes, Teddy, we close it the same day date every year. And so, ding! And being a big skateboarder and surfer and from the old days, I still had a couple of longboards. And uh, the next year, I hauled one of my longboards up to my cabin up there and waited a whole year and then went up there right there and drove up there to the, the gate right there. And sure enough, it was closed. It was a beautiful day. I walked all the way up the top of Dunraven Pass and I ran, rode a longboard skateboard all the way down to right there at that gas station. Hit about 50 miles an hour about three or four times on the steep spots. But uh, yeah, that was definitely in my younger days. But uh, when you guys get to that canyon area, I'm telling you, there's bears everywhere. There's a lot, of, usually a lot of elk hanging around, and it's a great place to see a moose. And moose are kind of hard to see in Yellowstone Park, but that's a good place to see some moose through there as well. So, an even better place to see some moose and where they actually live and hang out is just north of here. And in the guidebook, I've got a, a short trail that is again is totally suitable for the smallest hiker in your group that can easily get back to see where these moose hang out. And uh, it's kind of a short walk, but it's flat and easy. And uh, and I, I've done this a number of times when my kids were smaller, but uh, it's it's an odd spot. But uh, And there's some little campsites if you guys wanted to camp out there. But this is probably the only place in Yellowstone Park where you're guaranteed 98% chance to see a moose. And uh, I list that in the guidebook for you guys. And it's a great spot for little hikers with little legs. All right, so let's gloss over the highlights of the canyon area, and this is kind of where the podcasts stop and the guidebook takes over, because the guidebook tells you where you're going first, then second, then third, then fourth, then fifth, then sixth in the canyon area, and it tells you stories about every spot you're visiting in the canyon area as you self-guide yourself through this magnificent, magnificent area. So let's get started with that next. And what the guidebook does from right there at Canyon Junction from here on out is it keeps you in front of everybody. It keeps you about 20 to 30 minutes in front of the throngs, the tens upon thousands of tourists that are going to hit this area shortly. They're basically right behind you. So I know where they're going to go first. I know where they're going to go second. And they're going to go third because a lot of my friends in there are tour guides in Yellowstone Park. And I know where all the tour buses go as well. So we are going to hit certain spots in the park first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And we're going to stay just a little bit in front of everybody the whole way through the 
canyon area to where you can have the whole place to yourself and not be sharing some of the great sights in the canyon area with hundreds, if not a thousand people jostling in there trying to get a perfect selfie with the falls behind them and all that. So let me let me tell you guys a quick story right here. I was at the Canyon area in the spring of 2023, and uh, I was up there, just kind of went in by myself, just to go mess around in the Canyon area, just kind of got warm enough that all the snow had melted off, and and I wanted to go check everything out, just see what the raging falls look like with a bunch of water coming off of it and all that stuff. So I bebopped around the canyon area, and I got over to Artist Point, which is a not-to-be-missed site on any place in Yellowstone Park. It's one of the places I send you in the guidebook, and I was up there on the platform, and there was a, a, a boy and a girl up there, a young couple, and uh, they were up there just shooting the bull and everything else, and I was kind of looking around. You know, I'm not taking any pictures. I've been up there 5,000 times, but kind of messing around, and this girl looks around, and she goes, hey, you're Teddy Garland, aren't you? And I said, yes, yes, I am. She goes, We've got your guidebook, and uh, she and this guy spins around. He goes, "That's the guy we've been listening to for the last two weeks." And she goes, "Yep." And uh, he goes, "Man, this really some of those really funny." He goes, "Man, we've been having a ball listening to your podcast." And I said, "Well, thanks, man. I'm glad glad to hear that. Glad to hear all that." And he goes, well, "Love the stories. Love all those crazy stories." And so. She goes, I was a complete skeptic. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, I've been in the park for 20 years. She goes, I've been up on this platform 30 times. And every time I've been up here, there's been just hundreds of people. I mean, people lined up coming up that staircase. And that guy kind of looks around. He goes, really? And she goes, yeah. Every time this place is just inundated with people. Because it is one of the most popular spots in the park. And she goes, I, I couldn't believe that you could get me up here and have the whole place to myself. And I said, yeah, we're just right out in front of everybody. And she goes, I, I'm a believer. She goes, I was a complete skeptic. I was telling all my, my friends. He goes, we got two more friends down there. And I said, is that them sitting down there on the Moran bench? She said, yeah. So they came up there too, and we all introduced each other and everything else. But uh, she goes, I can't believe it. And she goes, this is fantastic. This is just great. She goes, I, I, I am a firm believer now that you can, you can get me to the right spots at the right time. And I said, yeah, that's what it's all about. And I said, if you're here in 30 minutes, there's going to be hundreds, if not 500 or 1,000 people up here. And that guy looks around and goes, really? And I said, yeah, man, really. No kidding. That's what We're just going to stay right out in front of everybody all day long and have a great day in Yellowstone Park and not be stuck in traffic and not be stuck in crowds. And she goes, all right, we are on the move. I told them to have a great time. I saw them a few more times in the Canyon area because I was going to, you know, I'm going in the same order they're going on because they're following the guidebook. They're just doing what I've done my whole life and they're going to go visit the Canyon area and have a great time and stay out in front of everybody. So that's what the guidebook does for you guys. And, and uh, somebody had been there for 20 years and been fighting the crowds for 20 years is now enjoying the top sites with no people around and having a great time in Yellowstone Park and that's what it's all about so all right so you guys are sitting back there at the Canyon Junction and you're going to follow the tips in the guidebook just like they were and everything else and you're going to go by the Canyon Stables over there and you guys don't want to ride horses in Yellowstone Park and I kind of go over this gloss over this in other podcasts but it horse riding in the park is simply a dusty nose-to-tail adventure with 50 or 60 or 75 other people that you have no idea who they are. 
and there's no views of the falls, there's no views of the canyon, there's no views of this, they're just riding through the trees, and it's just a dust out, it's no good. However, in the guidebook, I list some great places where you guys can go riding with just your family or your group up on some fantastic hills right outside of West Yellowstone. There's a two or three fabulous concessionaires right outside of the of the park. And you get up on these hills, you got great views of the Tetons, the Yellowstone Caldera, some high mountain lakes like Lake Hebgen, Lake Henry's where I grew up as a kid. So yeah, horseback riding in the park sucks. But in the guidebook, I've got an entire chapter to devote to horseback riding. And I tell you all the things where you guys can go do all these things and just ride with just your family group and, and it's a great deal so don't ever ride horses in the park so and anyway, you'll continue on and just a few more highlights through this area. You'll cross over the Yellowstone River on your way to some of the better viewing points like Artist Point and things like that. And when you cross over the Yellowstone River, you'll cross over this bridge. It's called the Chittenden Bridge, and it's named after this guy named Hiram Chittenden, who was the young park engineer who laid out all the park roads, basically of which about 95% on you're still driving on, but he laid them out when people were using horses and carriages to get through the park. But uh, he did a fantastic job. I'll tell you a funny story that he said about how difficult it was to lay out the roads in Yellowstone Park. I believe his quote was, um, engineer could lay out a road from Oregon all the way to New York City and not encounter as many problems or issues that he encounters in one mile in laying out a road in Yellowstone Park. <laughs> Due to all the thermal activity and all that kind of crap. So, but yeah, he did a great job laying out the roads. And I mean, like I said, you're driving on about 95% of them still today. And a lot of the other ones that you're not driving on, you can walk on or you're still riding a bicycle on. And I cover all that in the guidebook for you guys as well. So, and while we're talking about that Chittenden Bridge, the Chittenden Bridge is the starting point for what I think is one of the best hiking trails in all of Yellowstone Park, and that's the South Rim Trail. And in the guidebook, I'll tell you where you need to park to start the trail and where, where you can find it because it's kind of hard to find. And it's one of the few trails that get you right down to the edge of the roaring Yellowstone River, which is really hard to do anywhere in Yellowstone Park. I mean, you can see that thing surge up and down almost 10 feet in the air as it swings right by you right through this area on this trail. It's a great trail and then gets you into the golden canyons of the park with no people and great views. And, and uh, yeah, this South Rim Trail is excellent. And on the other side of the bridge is the ending of the North Rim Trail. And the the North Rim Trail is really, really popular, and the South Rim Trail rarely has anybody on it, and the North Rim Trail sucks. The North Rim Trail basically follows the road that drives along the edge of the North Rim, and you can just basically drive your car to every stopping point and pull out that that trail gets you to. It makes no sense to take the North Rim Trail, but this South Rim Trail that starts at that Chittenden Bridge, and it goes all the way down to Artist Point, and I'll tell you where you can start and stop it and start in the middle of it and everything else in the guidebook and how it's suitable for little hikers and where you need to stop with them and all that. But all that's in the guidebook for you guys, but now the South Rim Trail has flat ass got it going on. It's one of my favorite hikes in all of the park, and I tell you where to access that trail in the guidebook. So, And uh, a lot of people get to the Grand Canyon of... Yellowstone, which is where the Yellowstone Park gets its name from the fabulous yellow colors of the canyon area, which are just magnificent through there. 
And I hear a lot of people say, well, that's not the Grand Canyon. And of course, it's not. The Grand Canyon's down there in Arizona. However, the Grand Canyon in Arizona was named a national park in 1919. And of course, Yellowstone Park was named a national park in 1872. So with a little quick math, anybody can figure out that Yellowstone had its Grand Canyon 47 years prior to the Grand Canyon in Arizona garnishing its name. So they kind of stole its name from Yellowstone Park. But uh, one thing that is a little misleading in the canyon area is that everybody thinks that Thomas Moran painted his world-famous painting from Artist Point, and hence the name Artist Point and all that. However, that's just not true. If you look at the actual painting, and I've seen the original one in the Smithsonian, and I've got a copy of it in my cabin right there outside of Yellowstone Park, you can see where the picture is painted from. And it's clear it's not from Artist Point, but in the guidebook, I tell you where he did paint that painting from. And in the guidebook, I also tell you the story of how he brought all of his paintings to Congress to see if Yellowstone Park was going to be named the first national park after he, he went with the Hayden expedition through the park. I mean, and I tell the story, this guy had never even been on a horse before. Man, it was amazing. And he was just a young kid, 19 years old, but he became one of the most world-famous nature painters on planet Earth to ever live from that trip. But I cover all of that in the guidebook, and I tell you where he did paint that painting from, actually, and you can get down to that spot, and I get you down to that spot where he did paint that painting from in the guidebook. So, all right, so that kind of covers everything in the guidebook. And remember, the guidebook's the cake. This is just a little icing on the cake. Now, if you need to stop and use the restroom or get something to drink or grab something for a picnic lunch, be sure and stop at the canyon area. Go into that canyon visitor center. This canyon visitor center is absolutely top notch. This is by far and away the best visitor center in the park with an outstanding display of how big the last Yellowstone eruption was compared to the Mount St. Helens eruption in 1980, and that eruption covered Yellowstone Park in ash up to 6 inches to 12 inches deep. Trust me, I was there when it happened. Man, I mean, there's a beautiful, huge 30-foot by 30-foot display of the entire park, and you walk around and touch these buttons, and it tells you where the caldera is and where this is and where this is, and it does it in every language known to man. It's an absolutely incredible visitor center. I mean, they've got this huge globe, and it's floating on water, and you can move it around and all that stuff. It's top-notch. As far as I'm concerned, the rest of the visitor center in the park suck, but this one is absolutely top-notch and well worth the stop. If you only need to go to the restroom, then just go in the visitor center and do that. You can go to the restroom, walk through there in five minutes, and then get out of there. Remember, we are still trying to stay out in front of the cars and all the throngs of people that are on their way to the canyon area. And in the guidebook, we're hitting a few more stops. We're hitting our fifth, sixth, and seventh stop still after you swing by the, the Canyon Visitor Center right there. And then we kind of visit the rest of the falls. And I get you guys to a secret fall, which is the third highest fall in the canyon area that hardly anybody sees. I bet 99.99% .99 of the tourists that visit the canyon area don't even know this set of falls exists. But I get you guys to that falls. And, uh, and you guys got to remember, the canyon area is tied in 
with the South Loop chapter. So when we get to the canyon area, we're going to visit everything we have to do in the canyon area in about an hour and a half and two hours, staying in front of everybody the entire time and enjoying all the great sights in the canyon area. And I'm going to tell you great historical stories and really interesting stories. A few people get killed in the canyon area in the guidebook as you guys venture from spot to spot to spot to spot in the canyon area by simply following the instructions in the guidebook. And probably my most favorite thing in all of Yellowstone Park, it's a tie between Grand Geyser and the Brink of the Lower Falls. Those two spots, to me, are not to be missed on any trip to Yellowstone Park. And I get you down to the Brink of the Lower Falls when the sun's coming up straight through the canyon and you get these magnificent sunbeams shooting down the canyon right at you. It is a memorable spot. It is a not-to-be-missed spot in Yellowstone Park, and I get you there at the right time so you guys can see that. That is a fantastic spot. I tell the story in my introduction to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local podcast. That's how that podcast kind of starts. And I tell the story about this guy, me and my buddy sitting down there. We had hiked down there early in the morning, probably 30 years ago. And we were just leaning over the rail and looking at the sunbeam shooting down that canyon. And he just not even looking at me. And he just goes, man, he goes, I wonder how tomorrow can ever follow today. And I just kind of looked over at him. I go, no kidding, man. It is that pretty, you guys. And I get you to that spot right when you need to be there. But in the guidebook, once we're done with this canyon area in about an hour and a half or two hours and seeing everything there is to see without anybody else around, then we're heading south. We're heading down to the mud volcanoes. We're driving through the Hayden Valley and the largest free-roaming bison herd on earth. And I tell you the story the really sad story of the American bison and how just a handful of them got saved and were lucky enough to walk into Yellowstone Park and you're looking at their offspring now, but I tell the entire history of the American bison to you guys in the guidebook. And then we hit that mud volcano area and see Dragon's Mouth Cauldron and you can scare the kids and tell them a dragon lives back there. And then we head down the road and see a bunch of really cool things then have the best lunch in Yellowstone Park. All that stuff's in the guidebook, so that's, the canyon area is tied in with the South Loop, and it swings you all the way around the South Loop in one great day in Yellowstone Park. So when we go visit the canyon area in the guidebook, it is just the start of a gorgeous day in Yellowstone Park, and it's so easy just to, to follow the step-by-step instructions in the guidebook so you can self-guide your family through the entire south loop of Yellowstone Park and not miss anything and hear some great, great stories along the way and people getting killed on Yellowstone Lake and this and the Pumice Point and what you're looking at and, and great views of the Tetons. I mean, there's some really cool stuff in that guidebook, you guys. I've got that guidebook screwed down tight. So, But yeah, once you get to the canyon area, it's just a, the starting point for your, your wonderful day on the South Loop in Yellowstone Park. So, All right, so that's about it. We have covered Norris to Canyon, and like I said, on that drive, there's not a lot to see. There's some really good hikes, short hikes for kids. Uh, I tell you guys, in the guidebook, a place that you're almost guaranteed, I'm going to say almost guaranteed, every time I've been back there, which has been about a dozen times, I have found the elusive Bullwinkle. So hopefully you guys too, and I've had a lot of you guys that have done that hike 
post some pictures on our, our Facebook group, and uh, you guys can see all those if you log on there. But uh, yeah, that's it. So the Canyon area is... With, besides Old Faithful is the, the second best area in all of Yellowstone Park. And where we started this podcast, Norris. Norris is probably the worst junction stop in Yellowstone Park. There's just not a lot to see and do in Norris. Like I say, if, you, if you've been to Yellowstone Park for 20 years and you've seen everything 100 times, then go to Norris. <laughs> Outside of that, if you guys are newbies to Yellowstone Park, don't worry about missing Norris. You're missing absolutely nothing. Nada. Nada, nada, nada. So, but everything at the Canyon area is not to be missed. And I get you guys to all those spots at the right times in the right order so you can have them and enjoy them all to yourself. So, all right, everybody have a great Yellowstone Park vacation and I will see you in the park. I practice what I preach. Just like I mentioned in that one story back there, I'll see you up there on Artist Point at the right time. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.